0: That their play on the field put them toward the back of the line. Oh, Kaiser doesn't
1: see him. Ball is out. But
0: it's there always seems to be one team further behind. There we go. go. There we go. go. There, we go. <laughs> there we go. Further behind. Here we go. <laughs> <Here> we go. <laughs> there we go. There, <laughs> there we go. Further <laughs> behind. There
1: we go. <laughs> <Further behind>. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> further behind. Brown, all day all night we found it you guys calm down carbon you found what the brown noise kenny and me found the brown noise
0: all right gang welcome to the brown notes podcast where we let them rip on the cleveland browns my name
1: is scott and this is rico and we are still in the dead space but that's okay because we've got plenty to talk about so have you ever let me (laughs) scott's giving me some jazz hands or some shit i started it though i wish you guys could see this maybe we'll put this on maybe we'll start doing some video at some point in time that'd be kind of fun Mm -hmm. um anyway so uh, we, uh, you you sent me a story about Baker Mayfield. I wanted to talk about this because I have some, you know, clearly I've I've discussed my past forays in college baseball and sports and stuff like that. And, and you have some 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 uh, stories about this as well, I'm sure. But uh, there was a story that came out that said after he had gotten with you know to the L.A. Rams once he left Carolina got to the Rams, had a little bit of success. He was having fun again. Imagine that. And now he's with Tampa. He's really looking forward to the opportunity of starting again. But the point of this article was that to point out this article is from Dog Pound Daily. um, So clearly there's going to be a Cleveland connection there. So the point of the story was the point was to indicate that during his time in Cleveland, towards the end, He wanted to make it known that he wasn't having very much fun in Cleveland. But let me say, I think that's a whole lot about nothing. And let me tell you why. And and I want to see if you feel the same way. Losing isn't fun, Scott. Um, When you, and and it's not just with sports, when you aren't succeeding at something, even though you're trying to, it's not fun. Have you ever had any times when you failed at something and actually had fun doing it? (laughs) Was there a time when you had fun failing at something?
0: I have not. No.
1: Okay. And me either. And I've had now I, I, I do have to say that I've been on plenty of really good teams been on plenty of bad ones too. And let me tell you, it's tricky because the when I was on the bad, it was there's a really weird dichotomy going on there. You like that word? Dichotomy. Is that a little too big of a word for these purposes?
0: This is the BNP podcast. I guarantee you our listeners can handle it. They are among the smartest Browns fans in all of Northeast Ohio. True. True that.
1: So Um, There's a weird dichotomy I had when I was on the shitty teams. So I loved, I always loved what I was doing. I loved playing the game, even though I was on shitty teams. It was always, I I was the happiest I ever was in life was when I was on the baseball field. And when I was on those teams where we were really shitty and losing every single game, even though I was loving what I was doing and it was my dream to play baseball every single day. And I lived that dream for a lot of years. I still didn't have fun playing on shitty teams and it sucked and I hated it. And it was not fun, even though I loved what I was doing is do you see the weird, the weird bifurcation there? There's another big word. It's a weird bifurcation there that I know our listeners will get because they are the smartest fan base in America. Do you see that? And I'm positive that that's what he was going, that all, not just him. See, it's, it's fun to point him out because it's Cleveland and because he's really hot topic for media. Right. But it, I guess what I'm saying is, is that happens to everybody in life. You can love what you're doing. I'm sure there's time Scott, when you have a project you're working on that, didn't go how, how you thought it was going to go and it sucked because it didn't go the way you the way you thought it would go but you still love it because it's your craft right so so i don't i don't think this is as big of a deal <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <laughs> bravo sir but I, I think it's it's not this is this this it, this fortunately hasn't been made out to be a huge deal and i'm glad about that because this happens to everybody people fail and it sucks and it's okay to, to, to not have fun when you're sucking at something or when you're, when you're failing at something you're trying not to fail at. Right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to monopolize this, but I can really relate to this topic But I want to get your opinion on this
0: as lifelong Browns fans. We can really relate to any topic revolving around losing. <laughs> um, yeah, I totally get what you're saying and I agree. And it, well, first of all, a couple thoughts. Um, Baker, you didn't have fun in Cleveland your last couple of years. Uh, It's mutual, buddy. Didn't have fun watching you the last couple of years. (laughs) So, you know, there's that. Okay. And to your point, yeah, he was, he was, you know, struggling, especially that last season when he was, um, you know, with the shoulder, he was clearly struggling. Didn't look like you're not having fun when the team is losing, when things aren't going your way. So it makes sense that, those couple years being a cleveland brown was probably a bad experience hopefully you know tim couch i think um is really kind of inspirational in a lot of ways because here's a guy who had a a ton of potential coming into the league was drafted first overall and was taken by what would become the worst expansion team since the tampa bay buccaneers right and he's not bitter about it And the Browns jobbed him, and the fans turned on him. Sure did. And he's not bitter about it. He works with the Browns. He supports the Browns. He's a regular on Cleveland television and Cleveland radio and internet shows about the Browns. He's a booster. He's a guy who has every right to be bitter about how things went. And honestly, he didn't experience the success that Baker Mayfield did, and he played on nowhere near as talented teams as Baker Mayfield did. So – I hope that in time when Baker gets away from his NFL career and looks back, I hope he doesn't look back negatively on his time with the Browns because even though I pick on Baker, I'm not really a fan, I never really was. I do appreciate his role in helping turn the team around. It went south because I don't think ultimately he's the guy, but I hope that that, you know, period of time when when there was a struggle here that for him that doesn't define being a cleveland brown and i don't think it's going to i actually do think baker is is at heart a good guy and he had some complimentary things to say when jim brown passed so i think he sees himself as a cleveland brown and i think he will be someone who maybe comes around a few years from now one final thought that rams game after he he had that start in carolina things were rocky didn't end well, but that that Rams Monday night game was magic. It was, it was just, unbelievable, wasn't it? It was a magical night, and I think there. W- I would be interesting to sample Browns fans because I can guarantee you that night it was probably split right down the middle between fans who were diehard Baker Bros who were thrilled he had a magical night and were like, "See, told you, man. He was it. We gave up too soon." And Baker, let's say. Oh, what's a polite way of putting it? Let's say non-fans, maybe, and I might fall into that camp a little bit, who admittedly, and I will admit, maybe was gripping a little bit that night, thinking, Oh my god, Sean McVay got a hold of this kid and look at him. And I had little like little poopy in my in my britches <laughs> because I thought for a brief minute, because I'm going through Jacoby Brissett all year with a quarterback on suspension for wearing you know, wash rags over his Johnson. And, and that's where I'm at in quarterback purgatory and Baker really had like a magical night and, and now removed from it and having an off season and looking forward to Deshaun Watson. I actually do kind of wish the young man well and hope he has a good season in Tampa Bay. Cause I think yeah. we're going to have a great season. Well, I, I do too. And you, you know what? It's easy because he's
1: a, uh... He's he's a spicy dude, right? And so yeah. spicy, p- spicy people like him are easy to. Uh, he's polarizing, and it's easy. You either love him or you hate him, and it's easy to it's easy to to hate on a guy like that because he's spicy, you know. And he doesn't really give a shit to a certain degree. Um, but, yeah, that Rams game, holy crap. I mean, there was a part of me that was like, where the fuck was that when you were in Cleveland, right? But he did have those moments. He like, did. for example, the Baltimore game. Yeah, he, he played better than that against Baltimore. It was certainly not his fault that they lost that game. Certainly wasn't his fault. But, yeah, I got nothing but best but, uh, good wishes for him. Um, I hope he gets the starting job in Tampa. And, you know, I thought what you – when you brought up Tim Couch in this scenario, what a great example. Here's another good example. If there's anybody who could legitimately get away with saying that they didn't have fun in Cleveland, and I think people would would not have any ill will towards him at all, would be Joe Thomas, dude. Because that oh, dude, yeah. that guy, is. if there's anybody uh, besides Tim Couch, because... I agree with you. Tim couch gave his ass to this team while he was playing. Like he was 150% in when he was playing here. It didn't work out. It was like what we said about the coach. We just were talking about him last week. What the hell is the coach's name? Come on. Chris Um, Yeah, It, it, it was a losing. There was, this was a no win situation for, for Tim couch too. Just like it was a no-win for Chris Palmer. And there was no fucking way that Tim Couch was going to succeed. It just wasn't going to happen. The team right. wasn't ever going to be good enough for him to succeed in Cleveland, right? But he still gave his heart and he still gave a hundred percent every time he stepped foot on the field. And I gotta respect the guy for it. I think, I think Cleveland fans, to, to your point, have really come around with him because he he's really involved, like you said. And I think people are really embracing him as and recognizing that it wasn't his fault, that he that he didn't succeed and that he really gave everything he had to the team. And I think people are thankfully recognizing that. But going back to what I was saying, Joe Thomas could easily come out at any point in time and say, I had absolutely no fun the 13 years or however long it was I was with Cleveland. I gave my heart, and so I gave 100%. Nobody could ever deny that, but I can tell you that there was a lot of times when it was no fun. I don't think he would really ever say that, but I guarantee you he felt that more times than he didn't. Oh I I don't think anybody would ever fault him for that, right?
0: Not at all, and I think he's opened up to. I I can remember hearing Tony Grossi talking about some interviews with him, some one-on-ones. I think it was Tony and that Joe really opened up about how hard the last few years when the team was going through that Sashi Brown complete teardown and Joe Tom, you had a Hall of Fame tackle who had to be a part of that and how hard it was for him because he knew he was nearing the end and this was going to be how it was going to end, right? And he would have to go through this situation with the team. And that winning was not only – it wasn't, the team was kind of, de- not kind of, the team was literally designed to lose. It was this hopeless feeling of like, there was no winning on the horizon. Like there was, it was really, really possible. You were looking at multiple, oh, in 16 seasons and they damn near did it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think mentally, I think it took more of a toll on Joe Thomas than he'll ever acknowledge. I think all you're going to see during the hall of fame ceremony is class and, respect towards cleveland and even the people who were here with him but in truth if anybody to your point if anybody's got a right to be bitter holy hell um because the franchises couldn't get out of its own way you know um sadly that's kind of the tale with like a lot of the the post 99 browns is you feel like it's hard to embrace a lot of these players because they were a part of such bad teams and if you can't embrace players, it's hard to embrace your team, right? I mean, it's just – it's like we always say, well, you root for the jersey. You don't root for the player. But we, know, we all know that's not true, you know? You do get attached to players. You do root for players. It is always about people in anything in life. And, you know, it's so hard as a Browns fan because we've had – so little success that even if you're going to like, my mom has just like attached herself to Joe Thomas. And when I see her wearing a Joe Thomas Jersey, I'm just like, I just think a 200 career winning percentage. I think of the losing comes to mind before the hall of fame. You know what I mean? I think of Charlie Fry before I think of a hall of fame left tackle. Does that make sense? I I think of what Bruce Gretkowski, I think. Yeah. Did you ever oh, see you ever God. see that video where he's
1: getting interviewed and they test him to see if he can yeah, name yeah, all yeah. the quarterbacks that he blocked for? Fucking yeah. hilarious, man. Do you think now? Um, I just thought of this. Um, Tim Couch's situation was a little bit different because they were just coming back into the league and it was a little bit different than Joe Thomas's situation where they had they had been back for a while. So I can understand uh Tim Couch, but do you think? because Joe Thomas really doesn't owe Cleveland anything. They did it they really really didn't do many favors. Um right. but how do you think because he's really still involved with the Browns. Like he really 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 is and he doesn't have to be at all. How do you think he really feels about the organization now after he's after he's retired? And they're really trying, you know, they they I guess he he saw the he saw everything behind the curtain and he knew, he knew what was going to happen. He knew when that, what Sashi Brown was doing, he knew that the teardown was going to happen. He knew that they were going to suck. But I think underneath all of the failure, I don't think there was ever a doubt that the team was trying to do the right thing and trying to succeed. I just, just don't think they ever really could get out of their own way. And right. do you think he really, how do you think he really feels about this organization right now? I guess there's really no way to know, but, but what do you think? Do you think he has, he, I mean, yeah, I, I I'm always going to be a Brown yada. yada but what do you think he really feels like about
0: the current state of the organization? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I think to your point, it's probably reflected in the fact that he stays involved in it. Right. Yeah. So he goes on Cleveland Browns daily all the time. he's, in town, he's smashing guitars in the stadium. He hasn't he hasn't gone like full, you know, he hasn't become like a recluse and he hasn't like removed himself from the team. Like we all love Brian Sipe, right? But when Brian Sipe retired, he's kind of done with Cleveland. You know, he went to San Diego and did the architect thing and you'd see him yep. once in a blue moon, right? The yep. occasional interview. I mean, Joe Thomas has been really involved, you know, with the team post-retirement. So I dare say he's just that guy who has – you know, a special relationship with the team. And maybe because maybe, maybe there's that part of him that he had that opportunity to go play with Peyton Manning and the Broncos. And maybe if now in post-retirement, if he distanced himself from the Browns, it would make him think, well, now I don't really have them. Should I have just done the Broncos thing? Did I make the wrong choice? But by going the other direction and, and staying involved with the Browns and being even closer to the Browns and not distancing himself, he's almost doubling down on that decision, you know, of like, Hey, I was here the whole way through and I'm still in on this team and I'm going to be a part of this thing in some way when they do turn it around, you know, maybe he's just doubling down. Um, I mean, that's a really great point, man. I mean, because he could, he could have, when he retired, he could
1: have easily just bolted and just and just took off and never come back and nobody would have faulted him for that but I, that's a really great point not only did he not leave but he's involved as much as he was when he played and he's even like he's even coaching up the t- the, the, the offensive lineman. like every year he's helping him out he's on he's on cleveland browns daily a lot to your point so yeah i mean it's, it, which i think it by 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 him deciding not to go to the Broncos and staying, and then to to your using your words, doubling down on it afterwards. I I think that's, it's kind of like your 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 own baby is never ugly kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right. As, as shitty as the, the as shitty as as much of a trailer dumpster or dumpster fire as the Browns have been, like that's that's my dumpster fire. You know what right. I mean? That's that's like like he sees the fans perspective and he's kind of taken that on to a certain degree where I know this organization has been, been shit for a really long time, but that's my pile of shit. You know what I mean? And so he's, he's embracing the shittiness and the Clevelandiness of the organization, which he'll never buy another steak in Cleveland ever again. Right. That's
0: the old saying. So true. Here's a point I'd like to make that I see. And I'm curious if you've noticed this as well here's the double-edged sword of doubling down on a losing franchise here's the part that nationally will come back and bite you and let me cite this example from last season when jeff saturday took over for the colts do you remember when joe thomas came out and said you know you want to hire your drinking buddy and you have you're showing complete disrespect for the amount of work Coaches put in and the seriousness with which they approach their job, and Joe Thomas came out so strong against that hire. Do you remember that? That was last year, right? Sure do. And do you remember what the national media said? Who the what the hell does this guy know? He's a loser. The team was a loser. He wouldn't know a winning coach if it fell on him. In other words, in spite all he did was put up a Hall of Fame career right? Like played at the highest level possible in the 0.00001% of people who can play the sport at that level. He played higher than all of them, right? And is in he's in that small fraction of special pro players that are in the Hall of Fame. He's that elite. And yet, they can't give him a modicum of respect because he's a post 99 Cleveland Brown that he's not even entitled to an opinion about, you know, uh, uh, what the fuck's the owner's name? Hire of Jeff Saturday spacing on the Colts owner's name or uh, Ur- say, Ursa, Ursa. yeah, that he got torn to shreds with all the talking head shows and podcasts and, uh, you know, all that shit. He got ripped to pieces on all the NFL network. What the hell does this guy know? He's a loser. He doesn't know what good coaching is. He played for Pat Shermer, whatever, right? And it was ugly. And I thought, wow, you can be a Hall of Famer, but because you wore orange and brown and played in Cleveland, Ohio, they won't give you the respect that comes with that jacket and that that bust. Think about that. That's fucking – cold shit man and that water was tossed on him last year
1: fuck yeah dude those are the same these are the same people that won't give dan marino the respect that he deserves right because, because because he had he never won a super bowl same fucking people and they all can like lick my fucking big toe because they they're they don't make any sense whatsoever this dude joe thomas You could easily make an argument that he's the best left tackle to ever put a helmet on. You could make that. You could make that. Maybe Anthony Munoz, maybe from Cincinnati, maybe. But you can easily argue he's the best ever, 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 ever. And for them to take a dump on him
0: like that, not right, dude. Because he had an opinion as a retired player who's brought on these shows and wears the nice suit. And sits on set because he was on set, if I recall, when he. Said and he's that stuff really about, good on on Thursday Night Football. He's really good too. Right, they bring him on for his opinion. Yeah. And then the post commentary of his opinion <laughs> is completely debased because of the team he played for in his career. It's incredible to me. Did did you, you will you will you allow me a little uh, uh, leeway here in a down week for a digression? Dude, take as much time as you want. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this at you, maybe out of nowhere. But Do um, it. you know, Bomani Jones, right? And uh, yes, he had he had an I think it was on HBO, but he had an HBO show that was canceled. Okay, uh-huh. and I guess it was kind of a heady uh sports show. I never saw it. Don't have HBO, so I'm not speaking from a place of knowledge here, listeners. But Rico, I'm assuming back in the day you watched the sports reporters, right? Um, familiar with it? Yeah, never watched a ton of it, but I'm I know which I know what you're talking about. I loved it. It was just it was just sports journalists talking sports journalism, and it was real heady shit. Right? It was like not modern sports commentary. It was kind of no, not we're not dudes yelling at each other. That's right. Like actual intelligent sports discussion. Right now, you're where I'm at with the comment I'm going to make. Dan Levitard.
1: <laughs> said to
0: <laughs> said to Stephen A. Smith, I kind of love Dan Lavatard, but he yeah, said this, yeah. he's he said to Stephen A. Smith's face when about Bomani Jones' show being canceled. And he I'm gonna paraphrase, but he basically said, You're to blame for this. You skip Bayless and all your kind because you've ruined sports dialogue. That ESPN used to have shows like the sports reporters that were intellectual conversation around sports. And now it's just talking heads yelling at each other. It's just provocateurs. It's just button pushing content it's just yelling that's all any of the shows are and he told Stephen A to his face which I thought was hilarious but the reason why I'm taking this digression is it it cycles back to what was being said about Joe Thomas the guys on the sports reporters would have never had that take about Joe Thomas that those other guys no way no way would they they wouldn't have looked at it that way they didn't they weren't reporting on sports that way but these people, in the modern way sports is talked about and the way sports entertainment has devolved, it's just about hot takes. It's just about spitting shit. It's just about being provocative. And frankly, to Dan Lebitard's point, you've you've reduced it to just talking heads, shouting at each other all the time. And that's how you get bad takes like the Joe Thomas thing. Dude, I can't
1: stand. I literally hate with a capital H the, the way – everything has devolved over the last couple of years. And, and really it it's, he's right, dude. It's Stephen A's fault. It's skip Bayless's fault. It's Shannon Sharp's fault. It's those got guys, those guys's fault because it's exactly what it is. It's a bunch of fucking stupid hot takes and people yelling at each other. And I I mean, it's, it's, it's it's i don't know how the other people in the fucking studio stand that shit because they are if you listen to the audio on those shows they're fucking echoing the walls dude the audio <laughs> right. the audio was so bad because they're yelling so loud they're literally echoing the walls of the studio right that's awful i can't stand it and it's just unlistenable from an audio perspective and from a content perspective they're they're not saying anything. It's just right. ridiculous. I wish they would bring the uh, sports reporters back. That's man, you're so right, dude. I wish I'm gonna catch that Dan LeBartard. I'm sure it's available, but he was totally right, dude. I can't stand that garbage.
0: Uh, even guys like uh, Greg Gumble, Bryant yep. Gumble had that show on yep. HBO for a long time. I'm thinking of you know Bob Costas back in the day, like real thoughtful sports commentary and now it's just it's just we're in this era now where and i guess we're we're probably in a way contributing to it but i think in the podcast world it's a little different because you know there's no uh expectation of inherent expertise you know um yeah. it's just it's amateurs um and right. in, we like the word indie but you know except except for, except for us we're experts oh like yeah present company excluded thank you right Radio, for clarifying but right. But yeah, it's just fascinating. And, and it just having that talk about Joe Thomas just reminded me of that. Because in a weird way, you take a really decent guy who played his ass off and put his health on the line for a franchise that never had a chance to win jack shit. He makes this crossover into media, does it successfully, looks great in the suit, is great on camera, has good... You know, solid takes and a solid perspective to offer from a Hall of Fame player, and he gets completely disrespected by shouting talking heads because he played for the Browns, which, by the way, has nothing to do with man. <laughs> you know, nothing to do with anything. It's neither here nor there. Right. And see what
1: happens is they they like for the the World Series last year was it la- or the playoffs last year they 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 brought back Bob Costas right. I think to do the game and everybody fucking bagged on him because like everybody like now when you bring back an intellect who actually has solid intellectual sports takes that you might learn something from right he gets banged on for using words like apoplectic when he talks about (laughs) people look at you tonight man you're on fire with the 50 cent words i'm just trying to i'm trying to be more like bob costa (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he gets banged on for using words like apoplectic, okay? Instead right. of un- instead of listening to what he's saying because he's not spitting out some garbage hot take and he's telling a story and maybe he's a little long winded, but he's Bob fucking Costas, man. Right? That's like go tell Vin Scully he's being long winded when he's doing a Dodgers game, right? Right. And so and that's plus- what we're that's what we're reduced to. We're reduced to banging on these guys because they're
0: using words that we're not used to hearing. Yeah, and in baseball, you know, there's there's time to weave in. And you know if you're if you're watching Bob Costas and he's calling he was calling the Guardians Yankees series last year, but it's like he's going to he's got that depth of historical knowledge. And oh by the way, you know, it's it's kind of like when those people are gone who have that institutional knowledge, it's kind of gone, right? You know, so Good to listen to them while they're still here in baseball as, as a sport, it kind of allows you the time to weave a little bit of storytelling and and to share a little bit of that into the broadcast, which I love, but I guess, you know, a lot of people bitched about it, but whatever. Dude. I mean, I mean, after dudes like Vince
1: Scully and Bob Costas and that those people that can actually have a real discussion about sports. I mean, who are we left with? Think about who are we left with fucking Joe Buck. That's it. Yeah. We got Joe Buck and a bunch of ex professional players who can barely hold a conversation. Yeah. Like Tony everybody thought Tony Roma was going to be one of those people but he's he's fallen off the last year or two. But besides Joe Buck, dude, there's nobody that that you can rely on i to to be able to have an intelligent discussion about sports. I'm not I mean and, and we're not trying to be get off my lawn we're not trying to be uncle stan here you know what i mean we're just we're just echoing dan Levitard's take on this that i think there's a lot of people out there that want to listen to people have a good discussion about sports there's a shitload of podcasts out there that people listen to and they listen to them for a reason because the garbage on tv is unlistenable
0: yeah, it's probably true, man. But yeah, I mean, there's room for it. You know, there always used to be the the pundit shows, but now it's just like that's that is what ESPN is, you know. But there used to be that was just like a program in a series of programs. Now they're all that, but yeah, you know, it yeah. is what it is, man.
1: Um, all right. So so we have a a, a little bit of time left N- now that we're we're done, we'll get off of our soapbox for a minute. So I got a couple of cool lists here. Um, This one, and I want to see if you agree with this. This is the, we're not going to go through all these, but each one of these lists have a couple of Cleveland players on it. Obviously this one's the most hated NFL players of all time. So this one's kind of fun. There's a few browns on here. I want to see how you feel about this. The f- the first one that you run across, it goes from like number 50 down. Number 49 is Kellen Winslow. There's a name that you haven't heard in a really long time. The yeah. dude was really like, do you agree with him? Do you think that he should be on this list? Kellen Winslow.
0: Well, he's in uh isn't is he's in prison now for raping well, yeah, an elderly woman. So that's he, correct. I think he's but in, he is yeah. actually in prison, right? He is actually in prison right now. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I don't now. Obviously you would think that would be no brainer, but if you're talking about given what he's done, but if you're talking about like hate, we have as fans in Cleveland, I would say he's completely like a not like nobody even thinks of him anymore. It's almost as if he never played here.
1: That's where I was going for him rather than being a dude that I, that I think is one of the most hated in the NFL for me it was the one of the biggest disappointments because when he wrecked his motorcycle and tore his knee up before he did that he in my opinion could have had like a travis kelsey type of a career he was that good coming out of my coming out of miami and for me rather than being a dude yeah i mean he had a he was kind of an asshole but there's a lot of people in life that are assholes but that doesn't mean I hate them that's just who they are right um for me instead of being a dude that I think for me it was he was just a gigantic disappointment and, and an underachiever because because of that motorcycle accident so I don't know that's that's uh I don't necessarily agree with that one. Another one on this list. I don't, I don't want to waste time scrolling it because I didn't write him down. Lyle Alzado is actually on this list. They have yeah. him on here as a Raider, but he was with the he was with the Browns and the Broncos for a while. I count him as a Brown because when in my formative Cleveland years he actually played for the team. Do you think Lyle Alzado ought to be on this list or too far too too long ago to even matter at this point in time?
0: Too Not relevant to modern fans, kind of forgotten. I don't think he should be hated for ultimately being like a cautionary tale at the end of his life where he recognized his wrongs and tried to warn people against performance enhancing drugs. And so I don't think anybody should be hated for having a revelation when you're like you know, going to shuffle off this mortal coil that maybe you should have done some things differently and try to prevent other people from making the same mistakes.
1: Yeah. And I don't really see him as somebody that ought to be hated. He, he kind of reminds me of like Bill Romanowski in that he was just a red ass man. And I don't think, I don't think there, there's nothing wrong with being a red ass when you're when you're playing a red ass sport when you're in defensive lineman, like Indama is on this list too and i don't think there's anything wrong Indama sue kind of reminds me of those guys where he's just a fucking red ass man and and i i kind of if i had if i was a coach in an nfl
0: team i kind of want my defensive tackle to be a red ass right don't, yeah. don't you want that you know who's not on this list, at least that I haven't seen, and I've yeah. scrolled through it twice. Deshaun Watson is not on this list. I Can you believe it? I, I was know. looking for him, and as I was getting closer and closer to the top, I was thinking to myself, uh-oh. But ultimately, he's not on the list. Not so on what the What do list. you make of that? Because I thought that he would be a shoe in for one of the most hated players in the league because
1: it's because it's clickbait to act like you hate the guy when you really don't because he's talented right like number 35 baker baker's on this list right and it's it's okay to hate him he's polarizing he's spicy right but the reason why it's okay to hate him is because he's, he hasn't had a very good career. Now, number one on this list is Aaron Rodgers, but he's kind of a space cadet. I don't know. Do you think he should be number one on this list, Aaron Rodgers?
0: Uh, I don't know. Do people hate? It's funny because Aaron Rodgers swung the complete opposite way because he was beloved prior to like his Jeopardy hosting stuff, but it was like once he started going on... What the on hell that, is that, by the way? I don't know, but like once he started going <laughs> on that YouTube show, I think his own mouth kind of dug his grave, but... Um, yeah, I don't see Deshaun Watson on here. It's really I know, strange. It's- um, and Tony Romo is high on the list, which is funny because, again, it's his own mouth, right? I mean, he was beloved. People thought, you know. He was this great announcer. Then the more he talked, the less people (laughs) liked him.
1: I know. Yeah, and you know that people (laughs) people will never forgive him for um, mishandling that snap on that place kick that cost them. And I think it was the playoffs that one year. Yeah. Nobody's ever that people are never going to forgive him for that. You know, OBJ is on this list. Saudi's high too. Do you think? Do you think he should be on this list? I don't think he's hated. I I really don't. I think he's overrated but not hated yeah maybe hated in new york
0: maybe we don't have a new york perspective i don't think they're fond of him in new york no he's but they drafted him and they had greater expectations for him right
1: he's he's a dude that his whole career was made on that one catch can i tell you a guy
0: who i think has redeemed himself from kind of being a cantankerous player who i don't think belongs on this list even though he's low who's that John Keyshawn johnson yeah, I think man. He was controversial as a player. Give me the damn ball. But mm-hmm. in his post player life, as doing the radio show, he recently lost a kid, I think, had a had a son or daughter pass away, as I recall. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But he's I hear him on the local Rizzo show all the time, and he's just the most engaging, funny guy, super likable. Like, I don't know how anybody could hate this guy. You yeah, know? he's had a really, really great post
1: post nfl career doing radio and in and, yep. and commentary and stuff podcasts and stuff like that he's been really good and you know he just got let go from espn him and max yes. kellerman uh, yep. they, they they cleaned house once again yeah and uh, uh boy they're espn is really having some trouble aren't they oh yeah. um but yeah dude i hope he i hope he uh lands on his feet someplace because he's he's good to listen to for sure
0: well We're about out of time, man. Maybe we should wrap this, and if it's a slow week next week, maybe we'll revisit this list and poke around on it. Because I think you could you could talk and have a good conversation about just about anybody on that list. I think it's pretty fun.
1: Yeah, and uh, we got a couple other cool lists that we didn't even get to, so um, we'll we'll, uh, gives us some uh, some uh, ammo for next time around. All right, man. Go Browns. Go Browns.
0: Go Browns. Get angry, son of a bitch! I'm fucking clear, I'm fucking loser! loser. Cleveland Brown. All day, all night. Ever wonder if rock and roll is dead? <laughs> Does the music we grew up loving align with modern sensibilities? Or should it be relegated to the dustbin of regrettable rock history? Oh. My name is Scott. And
1: this is Rico. And we are your rock and roll pathologists.
0: Join us as we take your favorite songs and put them under the knife. Every week on Rock and Roll Autopsy.
1: New episodes every Sunday at midnight, wherever you stream your podcasts.
0: The Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast.